0: Are you interested in starting your own podcast? Well, if you are and haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to podcast. Let me explain. It's free and there's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Simple, easy, done. Anchor will also send out your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Music, and many more. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. And it's everything you need to make a podcast all in one place. So if you want to have your own podcast, just like the Father-Son podcast, go with Anchor. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Again, the free Anchor app or anchor.fm to get started today. And welcome to episode two of the Father-Son podcast. I'm the son, he's the father. I'm Noah Thompson with my... Best friend and father Craig Thompson. And throughout this week, between the first recording with Josh Mayer and this one today with uh episode two featuring Will Lasseter, we've had some interesting things go on between the two of us. Dad was at one point, you know, an icon on TikTok, but I would think it's safe to say now, Dad, that we've made it on TikTok because since November 25th is when we posted the that one hit wonder started coming, you have now reached 1 million views on a video. How does that make you feel, Dad?
1: Golly, that's pretty amazing. I mean, I I never would have thought that I would be viewed over a million times on TikTok, something I don't even know anything about. And uh, that's pretty cool. Um, I don't know. If it's really helped me, I don't know if any of those million people have been around here because I haven't been out in public anywhere and somebody said, Hey, you're the dude I saw on TikTok. <laughs> but it is kind of cool.
0: You may need to wear your snorkeling mask or some of those other costumes to get really recognized. But the total but that's view true. Count, I
1: guess yeah, yeah. I guess as I go out in public, I'm in disguise because I'm not wearing that stuff. Right.
0: The total view count for the first video is at 1.1 million views. The second one's at 729.7 thousand. The third one is at 13.5 thousand. And the fourth one, as far as we got, was 82.1 thousand. So you're right around two million people have seen you. And that's pretty, pretty crazy. Just kind of fun. Even since then, in the sports world, Duke basketball, one of our favorite teams, has been struggling to say the least. Lost at against Carolina on Saturday and with a chance to win and then turn around and lost on Tuesday yesterday we're recording this on Wednesday the intro we recorded with will on Monday and so we we recapped the Carolina game but lost yesterday against Notre Dame in a defenseless game I mean both teams they couldn't defend one another uh Duke was just really bad down the stretch they couldn't score and lost another one now seven and eight for the first time under 500 in ACC play this late in the season since 1999. and struggling to say the least. On the other side of things, App State basketball still in first place in the Sunbelt East. They had to postpone this weekend against Coastal Carolina for the second straight weekend. Georgia State was postponed a week ago as well. So, you know, I would say for us, Dad, our basketball teams aren't producing right now, even if that's not even playing a game or can't even get in the win call.
1: Yeah, you know, Duke's one story, but uh, they just – they can't win for losing. And uh, app uh, the Mountaineers, I mean, they, they, they've managed to stay in first place without playing games. And uh, I don't know how much longer that will last. Um, you know, they were fortunate enough last week, even though they didn't play, that uh, Coastal lost. And um, I guess uh, – yeah. Well, coastal was who was right behind us. So, you know, they lost, so they're not going to win or lose this week. So uh, it's going, it'll be very interesting for tournament time in the Sun Belt coming up and uh, it'll be here before you know it. And uh, hopefully our Mountaineers will be healthy and we can get everybody back and go play this tournament somewhere. And, and uh, let's, you know, you just don't know what happened. I, I do know this, Um which I've watched one of the games and, uh, and I know you've seen all the home games, but um, the, the efforts there, I mean, the, the guys come out and play, they might get behind, but they they don't give up. And, uh, and that is uh, just a joy to watch.
0: The program has taken a turn for the best and it's really fun to watch with Coach Kern's App State Basketball taking the stairs as the motto is here in Boone. Uh, it's, it's been a fun team to watch too. They've been, progressing every single week and and hopefully this you know COVID hiatus won't set them back any and hope, just obviously hope for the best with everyone's health like who who did have COVID hopefully it was yeah you know very mild symptoms and everything like that and they'll be good to go when they get back on the hardwood so we're pulling for that um, conversation with Will is a good one Will going to be you know he'll be on the show a good bit the draft was really good and we recapped some of the Duke basketball game against Carolina and then the Super Bowl as well. So without further ado, let's get right into the conversation with our good friend, Will Lasseter. All right, let's go ahead and welcome in our very second guest to the father son podcast. Will Lasseter, Will, thanks for coming on. How are you doing?
2: Yeah, man, doing good. Uh, Thanks for having me. Look forward to to being on here and, and talking some sports with you all. Uh, Before we get into that, let's, just talk uh, about who you are,
0: Will. Will and I have been friends for basically our whole life. Um, I've known Will since, I guess, two years old, something around there Yeah. Um, in the church. But Will is now um, off in Texas. He's in Fort Worth, Texas, married. Um, a job took him out there. Will, just tell
2: us about yourself a little bit yeah so you touched on it uh, but I'll, I'll kind of go back and, and work my way up but Noah and I grew up like he touched on knowing each other from a young age I we went to church together played some some travel baseball together um, a lot of a lot of sports in the neighborhood too um, I was over in, in that that neck of the woods quite often playing some sports and uh, enjoying our time together but a lifelong friend like you said now um, I guess we we went to different universities. So I went to UNC Wilmington, um, you Noah know, obviously at App State, but we stayed in touch through video games, catching up over the summer. Um, but yeah, like he said, after college, I moved to Fort Worth, Texas and and got married. So some big life changes over the last few months amongst the, a crazy 2020 that, you know, we've all been Getting through. So uh, married now, met my wife, Michaela Howery at Pinecrest High School, um, senior year, um, dated long distance through college. But uh, yeah, now we're both in Fort Worth. I've been here since the end of May. So kind of getting settled in now and, and getting used to it and, and stuff like that. But but yeah, I, uh, excited to be on here and couldn't couldn't be on here with two better people. So really appreciate y'all having me.
0: Will kind of sold itself short there athletically. Will was a good basketball player at Pinecrest. You couldn't leave him open. Um, if you left him open, particularly from the corner, it was automatic every time.
1: Oh uh-huh. yeah, Will. Will was a fan favorite. Uh, I loved to hear the people wanting Will to shoot. And uh, and and Noah's right. You know, you leave Will open, and he plays string music on you. And uh, <laughs> I enjoyed watching him play and. As, as Will uh, talked about the travel baseball, that was a huge, uh, huge pleasure for me to get to, to get to coach all those guys. But, uh, you know, and, and then one of the funnest times we ever had was that last tournament we ever played. And, and Will had outgrown his cleats, hadn't played in a while, was out there playing in his <laughs> tennis shoes. And it was hitting the ball all over the yard.
2: Will, did you wear golf shoes? old golf shoes. They were like spikeless golf shoes. Yeah. It was (laughs) like, I needed something. I hadn't touched a baseball bat in like five years, but, uh, I, by that time I was finally able to hit the ball out of the infield. I was a little bit stronger. (laughs) I could actually clear the shortstop's head. So, uh,
0: (laughs) just, just a backstory on this. We, (laughs) I had just finished playing my senior season at Pinecrest. Uh, our baseball team was probably one of the best teams ever come through. Uh, and, and I had been done probably for a month and haven't touched a ball in a month. And I felt like I was, I mean, just in a different world. And Will hadn't touched a baseball in probably six years, something like that. Yeah. yeah. And so we form our old travel baseball team at the age of – Will was 19 at the time. I was 18. Uh, some of the other guys around that age. And we go play in this tournament. And we won the first game we played. And then the next game we were playing, they put me on the mound against a real team. Like this team we were playing was legit. And I haven't I haven't pitched in probably two years. Um, had had a pretty nagging like shoulder injury, and they put me out there and I'm just like throw, I'm throwing i thrown it pretty well, and then I get to their three-hole hitter, and he hit Probably a four hundred foot home run off of me, off of the school bus in center field, and it was hilarious. Everyone was laughing, and giving me a hard time. That, but
1: that ball still had not come down. No,
0: it's it still hasn't. Um, so that that's like the reference of that story. Uh, but <laughs> Will's a big, big sports guy. Will, who do you cheer for? Who are you big, big fans of?
2: Yeah. So I'll start on the collegiate level. You know, Carolina. Can't, can't look past that. Big UNC, big UNC Tar Heels fan. UNCW,
1: right? <laughs> UNCW, <laughs> yeah. the Seahawks.
2: Yeah, hey, I'll yeah. pull for their basketball team. But unfortunately, have not been a whole lot to cheer for lately. <laughs> but uh, for the Tar Heels, anyway. You don't, um, pull, for the,
0: you don't pull for the football team?
2: <laughs> oh, yeah, hey, they haven't lost a game since, I, I mean, I don't even know how long. But, uh, <laughs> but no, the Tar Heels. Um, huge Carolina football fan. I mean, I definitely definitely watch basketball too, but really passionate about the football team, um, Carolina basketball, a professional level. Um, my grandfather grew up a big Cardinals fan um, watching those games. And uh, he was a, actually a state fan growing up. So he really liked Roman Gabriel um, on the St. Louis Rams. So those two teams have kind of been passed down to me now between um, the Rams, although they moved to Los Angeles now, still, still pull for them. And definitely the St. Louis Cardinals really enjoy uh, keeping up with those teams. I wouldn't say I really have any, you know, primary NBA or, or hockey team, anything like that. But but between those four teams, I'll I'll invest some time into watching and keeping up with them for sure.
0: Now you're probably for the listener out there. You're probably wondering how are you friends with Will Noah? How and same <laughs> with Dad. Well. You know, Will's been a a big Carolina fan. Obviously, dad and I, huge Duke fans my whole life, his whole life. And going to church, I almost dreaded the Sunday after church when Duke had just lost to Carolina and having to see Will and Mr. Steve and Jay, Will's brother, Will's, Mr. Steve's Will's dad. But we never got into that. We never got into it like a typical Duke Carolina fan would. We probably did throw some, you know, uh, Duke this, Carolina that at each other, but it was never bad. I would say our relationship as like a Duke and Carolina fan as friends is like not normal because we don't argue with, about it with each other. If anything, we talk a bad about our favorite team more so than about the other team to each other.
2: Would you say that's true? Oh yeah. I, I think regardless of who wins the game, we're watching and, and we see the team we like doing something. It's like it, get, it frustrates us more than anything watching that happen. Cause we're, you know, we're so involved and, you know, we, we give so much like in terms of watching, keeping up with these teams to see them doing something that just drives you nuts. And it, sometimes it costs them the game. Sometimes they still win. But it's like it's just fun to talk about those things and, with each other. And, and, you know, like never letting it let it never letting it go too far where, you know, if if I'm going into church on a Sunday, like you said, like, you know, I know Carolina won, but or or whatever. But, you know, no need to, to do anything extra. But you're right. Like you said, I might make a little comment, but nothing crazy. It's just funny because that's literally like what
0: exactly would happen. You know, we'd we'd watch the game, and, you know, me, I was – my first love was Duke basketball. So, I mean, I could not – I can't stand Carolina till this day. But, I mean, it has nothing to do with the way I look at Will or anything like that. And this rivalry is so enriched in hatred between one another. Um, So, this is a good segue. Let's move into that. Duke Carolina obviously played on Saturday – Carolina getting the best of Duke 91 87 in Durham. Uh, obviously, no fans. Um, Carolina went 66.7% from three. Uh, Dad, have you ever seen Carolina shoot this well against Duke?
1: No, I don't think so. And, um, but you know, it's when you don't play good defense, you don't pressure the perimeter and you leave them wide open. Hey, those are. Division one players. They're, Carolina's a great program, always have been, always will be, and Duke is too. And they got good players, and you can't—you just can't leave people open like that and expect them to miss. I mean, there's probably a reason that they have not shot well from the perimeter this year because they've had some pressure on them. And um, but when you leave some of the open shots that those guys had the other night, I mean, my gosh, yeah. I mean, I, I might have made a couple.
2: <laughs> yeah, I know
1: Will would have I know Will would have made them
2: yeah and, and I'll jump in there too you, you talk about them being open that was really the first Carolina game I've seen this year where the ball really moved like they were getting it inside to start the game I think Brooks started with a couple buckets early and you know Duke had to, had to collapse inside and they finally got some open looks but I don't know if it's them having a young team or what but it's just taken a while for Carolina to really get that ball movement this year like you said they were they were definitely open shots that they were they were getting but I, I think it was definitely you know had to do with Carolina finally you know kind of developing an identity of playing inside out basketball to, to get some looks but, but yeah they they were definitely pretty much uncontested for the most part.
0: This Duke team obviously is young, but I'm, I've said this forever. Duke until you know the NBA lets high school players, come right out and into the league Won't, can't be an excuse because Duke will always have a young team they'll always have five freshmen who are supposed to play or are supposed to be the best thing since sliced bread on the floor um but defensively it is a nightmare I mean if they put any any single time they had Garrison Brooks on the low block and in, in the post with Matthew Hurt Behind him, back to the basket, it's a bucket every time. Matthew Hurt's too; he's he's not big enough to guard him. And you put him in the pick and roll, two points, three points every single time. You can get whatever you want. If, take whatever they give you because they Duke can't defend. Like they're they're horrible defensively. Mark Williams is good inside. I mean, he had a couple blocks. A couple he had three blocks on the game. But I mean, they just they can't defend, and it was it was obvious. But I will I will say Duke hung in there. I mean they fought like it was a tough game.
1: Oh yeah, they didn't um, quit.
0: There was there was no quit. And that was that was a good sign, especially going forward like throughout the year. Cause I don't see I'm looking at these guys right here. Maybe Hurt leaves, maybe, and maybe Jalen Johnson just because he's athletic. I don't know if that's how people judge the NBA talent, but I mean, I don't see any of these guys going and being a superstar in the NBA on Duke's side. So I mean, these guys may stay stick around for a little longer. And I don't know. It's just going forward, I like the intensity that they brought. But what lost Duke the game, basically, Duke was down two with a chance to tie or take the lead with an and one, get to the bucket. Wendell Moore did a great job of getting to the basket. It was too easy. Like, he just got there and went to go lay it up, and then all of a sudden decided to throw the ball away. Literally turned away, threw it right to Andrew Playtech, and the game was over like i mean i don't know what was going on but that's basically what happened will in in your time playing basketball and you see it just this is just strictly from experience in a close game and and you're thinking okay what do i do when the ball comes to me type thing
2: why do you pass out of that yeah i don't think i think you see why you shouldn't you know i think you know you just have to have the mentality, especially if you're Wendell Moore, you know, probably the best score on Duke's team, possibly, especially driver, you know, he he had a big time bucket against Carolina last year where they, they showed that replay during the game, probably 10 times. But, uh, you know, I think if you're, like you said, down 2 you've got a chance to draw a foul, get a layup and one, you just got to, you know, essentially put your head down and go to the rim and and get a basket. You know, if, if you pass the ball, you've got to see somebody wide open you know, his man has to just completely leave him alone to come help. And you just dump that off. But that, that definitely surprised me uh, to see that play happen. And, I, you know, I, I kind of saw it. I was like, wait, did he – I couldn't tell if he lost it, if he really tried to give it up. But they showed the replay. I mean, he just tried to make the pass, which, yeah, just really really shocked me. That play described Duke's whole season.
0: You have a chance to tie yeah. – you have a chance to put yourself back in the game to fight for the game but instead they just give it away like happened at virginia tech happened against miami obviously against carolina pitt louisville like i mean all these games dukes lost seven games those are five games right there that are winnable you add those to the seven games they've already won they make it 12 and 2 obviously they look a little different dukes ranked but instead they give away five games you know it's it's a it's a tough pill to swallow but i mean this happened to Carolina last year. Well, what was it like as a Carolina fan last year, knowing Carolina basketball just obviously wasn't as good?
2: Yeah, it, it takes an adjustment, and you kind of have to look at the team in a, in a different way as well. You know, you're—I was spoiled growing up for sure. You know, Carolina always having a top ten team. You know, trying to make a run in a national championship. I think you kind of have to change the expectations a little bit. You know, kind of understand, and you know, pretty much every game you play is going to be a battle you got a lot of young guys that are trying to learn. They're getting college minutes. It's a big adjustment. So I think you've really just got to, you know, be patient with it and, and understand that, you know, each week they'll get better. And, you know, with the young teams this year, they're even at a, a larger disadvantage with the limited offseason that they had. I mean, you, look at, you look at some of the teams that are ranked at the top now. You've got, like, Gonzaga, Baylor, Michigan. Like, those are older teams. I think, you know, the pandemic has really yeah. served them well in a way. Um, on the basketball floor only, obviously, but you've, you look—you look at Duke and Carolina. I mean, they're still, you know, they're getting better every game, but not having that off season has really, I think, hurt um, the development of, of team basketball and, and the and the programs. You've got Kentucky this year struggling as well, so I think that definitely has has played an, uh, an impact and been a factor.
1: Yeah, a lot of these blue bloods have sold out to the one and done kids, you know, and there's, there's a lot of good players out there. You know, there's a lot of good players that are, are playing, like you said, on these teams that are ranked high, the Gonzaga's, Tennessee's, you know, Michigan. they're not loaded with a bunch of freshmen that are going to probably leave or want to leave, you know, and, and I think a lot of basketball's issues right now, especially with the teams that are near and dear to our heart are the fact that there's these kids play so much basketball during growing up, you know, travel, the AAU circuits and that type of thing. And it's all about them. They're, they're out there. They're just trying to promote themselves to get to the next level, to get to the next level. So winning is not that important. You know, it's, it's another game that they're playing they know that they're going to play another game. They're going to play another game, you know. And, and I just don't know if, if, if the fact of winning and playing together is as important as it once was for a certain group of people because they know they're going to get to the NBA, you know. And, um, and that's where I think some of these other, these other programs that, that they're not loaded with these one-and-done guys and they they're playing for something. these guys know they're not going they're not going to make it to the NBA. You know, they're going to have a life after college and but they want to win while they're there. And uh, so that's that that's one thing I think that they they got to figure out a way to address it. And the NBA's got to be the one to do it, but they won't. They, they you know, they won't do it.
0: Well, here's the thing and this is where I have a problem with what you said, dad. That Duke, Carolina, Kentucky can't not recruit the kid that is a five-star and top 10 of the top – or ESPN 100. They can't not recruit him. They say, oh, I want to come to Duke. Yeah. Yeah, shoot, yeah, you're going to come. But the problem is, is the NBA has the rule where it's like, okay, we only require one year out of college. So, of course, Zion Williamson is going to go to Duke because it's the best school for him, best fit or whatever. Arguably, they could have gone somewhere else, but chose to go to Duke. But Zion was ready to go to the NBA out of high school. Not much changed in his game to where he he had to be at Duke. Same with R.J. Barrett. I think those two could are very, you know, I, I could see either one of them going. But they're not going to not offer this kid to come to Duke just because they know he's only going to be there for a year. And it worked one time for Duke in 2015, and it worked once for Kentucky in, I think, twelve 2012, something like that.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: But the point is, and this is a great conversation to segue into this, College basketball is not the same anymore. It's not the same as what it used to be when, even when Will and I were were kids. Because these these kids that are coming into college basketball now, their goal wasn't ever to play college basketball. Their goal is to play in the NBA. When Will and I we dreamed of playing at Duke and Carolina, respectively. We we obviously loved those two schools. Like a lot of kids loved college basketball because of March. What happened in March? Now it's just like, oh yeah, I mean that's gonna happen. Maybe it won't because of COVID. And even before COVID, it was on the decline of entertainment because there wasn't a villain. There was never a in the past five years, there hasn't been a hateable team like how Duke was with Leighton or Dad, or how even Mike, yeah. when Michael Jordan was at Carolina, everyone was like Michael Jordan, this, Michael Jordan that. They were always good. And you know, even more so later on with the Grace Now and era at Duke. There were, there wasn't a villain. And Tyler Hansborough, Carolina. Every, I mean, if you didn't love K- Tyler Hansborough, Carolina, you hated him. Like I, I mean, obviously, I couldn't stand him. And same with Grayson Allen. Everyone hated Grayson Allen and wasn't a Duke fan. So there was always somebody to, to hate. J.J. Reddick, same type of thing. And now there is none of that. Like, nobody knows who Matthew Hurt is if you're not a Duke fan or Carolina or just an ACC type of fan. So They don't stick around long enough. That And that's the right. problem is the NBA has this. Capital on young talent and it's clogged. Like everything is clogged inside the NBA, and so the shelf life of a you know twenty-four year old athlete who was probably a good prospect
2: coming out is playing overseas. Yeah, for sure. And and you think about it, like you think back. I mean, people that come to my head on Carolina and Duke's roster, both. I mean, Carolina side, you've got like Hansborough, Ty Lawson like Danny Green, Marcus Payton, like all these players you could count on being there next year. You know, you get three or four years of them. It's a ton of fun on Duke's side, like Quinn Cook, you know, J.J. Reddick, Nolan Smith, like Sheldon Williams. Like they would come back every year, and you would look forward to seeing what they did the next year. And if, and if they got knocked out in the Elite Eight, well, they'd be back next year to try to get to the Final Four and win a championship. Or like Gerald Henderson fouls Tyler Hansburg. Well, guess what? They get to play next year. You know, like there's no more of that. And I think that's one thing that, that is really disappointing. You know, the whole roster leaves, there might be some sort of rivalry that brews up in one game, but next year, I mean, you've really got none of the same team coming back. So it's like, those are really hard to get into in terms of like a rivalry, like you, like you touched on where, you know, it's fun watching these players go at it and, you know, if they go at it um, being on UNC against Duke and then they're on two random teams in the NBA, it's just not the same. And, I think that's one thing that's that's hurt college basketball is is having these players that that leave. It's it's really hard to to get invested with a team and and you know follow them and see you know them get better over the course of their career and and, and like and just kind of seeing that progression is something that I've, I've missed, especially watching Carolina basketball.
0: Dad, when you were growing up, and Will, that brings a good point. That's why I asked this question. Try, Dad, when I asked this, try and be less. You know, all I watched was. Duke basketball and stuff like that, but yeah. When you were in school, what was the most, you know, hyped game? Was it the college game or the NBA?
1: Oh no, college, <laughs> without a doubt. But you got to keep in mind. Um, you know, I'm 53 years old, and the the NBA. Uh, you know, you you might read the scores in the paper a day later you might hear them on the radio or something like that never hardly anything on television the NBA probably in as late as I'm not sure what year but I'd say probably 84 85 86 their finals the finals were on tape delay it wasn't even prime time and um Really, you know, bird and and magic changed changed that. I mean, once they got in there, it, it just – something happened and the NBA became a little bit more um, uh, important, I guess you'd say. And, and people started paying attention to it more. But, no, I wouldn't give you two cents to watch the NBA. And I, actually, I did back then. Um, and part of that reason was – you didn't – you just didn't have games on every single night. I mean, you know, there would be like a couple of ACC games of the week. And then once we got cable television, which you, you don't even know what life's like without it. But uh, when we got that, we had um, the Turner uh, Super, TBS. The, it was called the Superstation, And the Atlanta Hawks were on. And uh, they were on every night. So I love watching the Atlanta Hawks. And they had Dominique Wilkins, you know, and was, they had, had some pretty good players. And um, so, you know, I'd, I'd watch it back then because, you know, I, there, there wasn't a college game on every single night.
0: Yeah. And I think it's safe to say, Will and I, we obviously were college basketball fans far more than the NBA. Um, and, and would you say that's safe to say, Will?
2: Yeah, definitely.
0: But I will say, that doesn't take away – and this is where I'm in the, you know, in-between type generations, I guess. I'm on the tail end of, like, the still love college basketball more than the NBA. Um, I would say I love the NBA because of how the game has changed with Steph Curry. And that's just, period, the game has changed because of him. Um, like, you don't see anyone pull up transition 35 foot from the logo. Like, you never saw that in, you know, 1990 and didn't even see that in 2010, but you saw it in, you know, 2012, 2013. So, I mean, it's just the game has changed completely. Um, And I really like this conversation because it's, it's changed even from college, like how we look at college basketball to how we look at pro basketball. And now there's like these college basketball players, just to sum this and wrap this all back up, these college basketball players never had the goal of playing at
2: their favorite university rather than playing in the NBA. Right. Yeah, I agree. And, and I think, you know, there's still some teams out there that have players that, you know, like that are really passionate about playing in college. Like, like Craig said, you know, these there's, there's a handful of players out there that know they're, they're playing college basketball and then they're, you know, working a regular job like, like the rest of us, you know? And, and I think those teams have almost become more fun to watch in a way because they've grown over the the four years they've been there. They're playing good team basketball you know, I mean, just look at the teams that are, that are doing well this year, you know, they're older players and it's really fun to, to watch. It's a better product of basketball um, on the college level for those teams that have older players. And, you know, I think that's been fun to watch, but it, it is unfortunate for us that, you know, a lot of our favorite teams are, are struggling and really don't get to see players develop um, while they're in college.
1: Here's a, Here's a stat for you, okay, that this is from – I just pulled it up. I just picked a random um, game. 1980, NBA Finals, game six, Philadelphia, and L.A., the Lakers, all right? The Lakers won the game 108-103. to Guess how many three-point shots were made in that game between both teams?
0: Uh, Six. Yeah, my guess was like eight.
1: No, none.
0: (laughs) How many were attempted?
1: Philadelphia Philadelphia was 0 for 3. The Lakers didn't attempt one.
0: Wow.
1: Yeah. So, I mean, it just tells you how the game has changed big time. You know, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar had 40 that game, you know. He was, 13, he was 16 of 24 from the floor, eight of nine from the foul line. And here's another thing. Free throw shooting, both of them were right at 80%. I don't know what the NBA shoots today from the foul line, but I know a lot of these colleges, they're, they're horrible. They're in the 60s and in the, in the low 70s. And, and uh, it's just, I don't know. It's just the game's changed a lot. I guess the rules have allowed it to change. You know, in this game here, um, fouls were pretty much even. Foul shots pretty much even. <clears throat> but th- I know that there was instances during that game where muggins happened underneath that basket. And in today's world, uh, you know, oh, my gosh, she would probably be ejected. And the, the physicality is not there in today's game as it was back then. And I think that's why you see a lot more, you know, three-point shooting and stuff like that. And and the skill set's better. I mean, you know, people working on it. They, You know, back then in 1980, people didn't play travel basketball all year long. So it's just the way things have changed.
2: Yeah, and I I think one thing that was cool for for Noah and I's generation is that Michael Jordan documentary – You know, having the opportunity to watch that, you know, 10 episodes and see what, you know, the NBA was like in the early 90s and how that compares to now. Like you said, I mean, it was a totally different game. I mean, much more physical inside, a lot fewer three-pointers. Like, the game just changes. And like Noah said, somebody like Steph Curry comes along and can hit threes at at 40% from 30 feet. Like, you know, you get an extra point and you're still efficient. That's going to change a lot of things.
1: Yeah, that's right.
2: It's been Obviously a, a big difference, but but seeing that documentary and kind of looking back on the NBA in the nineties, um, it's really eye-opening how much the games evolve. Yep. Steph Curry has no, hold on, let me get this right. Tom Brady has reached more Super Bowls at a better percentage than Steph Curry's career three-point percentage. Wow. And a perfect
0: segue that is uh, Tom Brady and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, 31, Kansas City Chiefs, 9 on Super Bowl Sundays. Super Bowl, was it 55, I think? fifty five. Yep.
1: 55.
0: So, my roommates and I had a conversation about this. The logo of the Super Bowl uh, didn't do itself any good because it was the L and then the Super Bowl trophy, the Lombardi trophy, and then a V. So, it made it look like L-I-V to make it 54. Oh. But I don't think they thought about that when they made that logo, just to – just a thought there. Um, Patrick Mahomes literally ran for his life in this game. Uh, he, he dropped back 49 times at least. Uh, he was 26 of 49, 270 yards, and two interceptions. Didn't throw a touchdown pass. The Chiefs didn't score a touchdown. Um, and it's just not what a lot of people expected. Will, who'd you have going into this game?
2: I'll be honest. After Kansas City's game against Buffalo, I mean, they just looked so strong. I didn't know how anyone would beat them. I mean, I'll be honest. They looked like the complete team, peaking at the right time, playing their best football. I thought Kansas City was going to take it going into it. I didn't think, I didn't think it mattered if Brady was on the other side, but uh, clearly it did. Yeah, it was, it was total domination, and it almost seemed
0: like that way from the beginning. I know there was a couple punts to start the game, but I mean, it just, it, it, it had a feel of, okay, this is Tom Brady's not going to lose this, and when you have Gronk who has been relatively quiet the whole year, 6 catches, 67 yards, two touchdowns. I mean, that's just another weapon on that offense that is incredibly hard to stop. Like they had like just think about this this offense. Rob Gronkowski, Leonard Fournette, Mike Evans, Cam Brate, Antonio Brown, Chris Godwin, and Chris Godwin only had two catches. Like I mean, that offense is loaded. And Ronald Jones, he had twelve touches, sixty-one yards. Like, I mean, these this Bucks team was almost destined to win the Super Bowl. Um, they had the offense to do it, and their defense was nasty.
1: Yeah, their defense. They they just they pinned their ears back and um, they went after Mahomes. And I, I I really did not think that they would be able to contain him. And but but man, was I wrong. I my prediction was um, Tampa. 34 and, uh, KC 32. And, uh, so uh, I got the, I got the winning team, right. But, uh, the, you know, the score wasn't quite right.
0: The reference out there is 34, 32, as in App State, 34, Michigan, 32.
2: There
0: you go. September 1st, 2007 for the listener out there had to sneak that in there anywhere we could. Um, I had, I had Tampa 31-28, so I got at least one score right. But, I mean, did any of us think that the Chiefs wouldn't score a touchdown?
1: Oh, no. Heck no. no. No.
0: I mean, their offense the whole year was literally you, – you can't play man against them and you can't play zone against them because Patrick, Patrick Mahomes' arm is so big, he can just throw it over top of the zone. And this combination of speed with Tyreek Hill. But, I mean, they saw – so many different coverages with blitzes. Todd Bowles was a genius. I mean they they put they put five guys in the backfield almost every single time. Like the offensive line, obviously was, you know, I mean they put this guy here because this guy was hurt. This, I mean, it was way jumbled. Um, they didn't have their normal offensive line set, but still, I mean, it, every time you looked up, Patrick Mahomes was scrambling.
2: Oh yeah, and and Mahomes talked about it post game too, like. I know he hadn't had the chance to watch the film, but it was just funny. He's like, you know, somebody asked him what Tampa Bay did well. Well, they covered the deep ball, they covered the sidelines, and they got to the quarterback. I mean, it sounds simple, but yeah. I mean, if, I mean, they've, been, they've scored on quick drives all year. And if, if Mahomes starts taking out outside the pocket in two, two to three seconds because four men getting, four men are getting pressure right away, you don't have time to look downfield, you know? I mean, it sounds simple, but they took away everything that, that Kansas City wanted to do. I mean, I guess they left the middle open a little bit for Kelsey from time to time, but they avoided giving up those big plays and and the pressure they got. I think I saw a stat at one point come across the screen. I think it was 48 dropbacks and 27 quarterback hurries. It's like, it's just unbelievable.
1: It it was the most quarterback pressures or hurries in Super Bowl history.
2: Yeah, I believe it because, I mean, it was just like every play, he was just running, running, trying to get away and – and give Tampa Bay credit, too. They didn't let him get away from much. I mean, he might have had 40 scrambling yards, but I mean, they still contained him really well.
1: I give him credit, too. I mean, he, he's a heck of an athlete because there was times where he was scrambling and running around back there just, I mean, twisting and turning, and then all of a sudden, he'd get caught up and he'd spin around and he'd chunk it, and he'd go in the right direction. I mean, it, it's a wonder it didn't go the other way. And the the one one play where, I mean, the guy dang near caught it in the corner of the end zone. You know, at first I thought he did catch it, but he was out of bounds. But the replay showed he never even caught it. But it was still, it was an amazing effort to even get the ball to that point because he was running for his life, like Noah said earlier.
0: This game reminded me a lot of Super Bowl Fifty, with Cam Newton and the Carolina Panthers playing against Peyton Manning and the Broncos. I mean. First off, the defense on both of the winning teams, the Bucks and the Broncos, were nasty. Like, they got to the quarterback the whole day, whenever they wanted. Cam was was scrambling for his life. Obviously, the, the notorious didn't fall on the football fumble initially, then fell on it, and it was after his loose ended up being a turnover that cost of the game. Uh, there were so many drop passes. Oh, my gosh. The, the, the play that Mahomes made – where he scrambled out to the right and twisted and turned, finally found his way inside, like the in between the numbers and the sideline. So he was, he was, he was dang near out of bounds. Uh, I believe it was Devin White got to him, like made him fall. And while he was falling, parallel to the ground, threw the ball sidearm, 30 yards, hit the receiver in the face mask at the goal line, dropped it, incomplete. Like that's pretty similar. Jericho Cotri, dropping that, that pass way down the middle of the field, almost in the end zone. And, I mean, just – it was very similar from what I, like, felt. And I can imagine as a Chiefs fan, as I was in, in, in that game five years ago, that – that stung. Like, you had, you had the best quarterback in the league that year on your team. Whether – I mean, you could argue, obviously, Aaron Rodgers won the MVP, but Mahomes is the best quarterback in the league right now. I think we can all agree on that. And you had Cam Newton, 2015 MVP could run the ball all over you if he had to, but also was a threat outside the pocket. Let him get loose. He's going to make a throw. It was very similar. It was very similar vibes. Do you guys feel that as well?
2: Yeah, I did. And and in the same way, um, the Panthers in, in Super Bowl 50, how they just seemed out of it to start the game, like they just weren't all with it. You kind of got the same feeling with the Chiefs. I mean, like you said, Noah, they were having balls – on target hit them in the face and just dropping them. The punter couldn't hold the ball. I mean, they had silly penalties, you know, you just, it's just like, they weren't all there. You know, it was, the the game got started off for the chiefs with a couple punts. And, you know, from that time on, it's just like their, their focus and attention just was off like you hadn't seen them all year. And they've gotten behind in games before, you know, they showed the graphic where they had been behind double digits in all these playoff games before and, and came back and won. But I think Romo said it just felt different, you know, between the silly penalties and the the mental mistakes, and they were getting frustrated with one another. It just had a different feel to it. But but kind of going back to Super Bowl Fifty in a similar way to the Panthers, it just didn't have it. I mean, it was simple from the start. They just didn't have their A game.
1: Yeah, some days you're the hammer, and some days you're the nail, and <laughs> uh, and, and yesterday especially. I, I just think that Kansas City was not prepared for what Tampa threw at them defensively. You know, I I think that they knew what Brady could do, but I just didn't think they were ready for the defense that they were about to face.
0: Yeah, Tampa did a really good job of disguising coverage. There There was a play where Kelsey was in the slot and Tyreek Hill was to the left of him out wide, And basically what they did was they just crossed the route and it was kind of like a wheel slant type thing. So uh, Tyreek Hill was going to run the slant and Kelsey was going to run just like a vertical seam, but it was almost like a wheel route. And they brought the corner and blitzed. So it left the, basically the flat open, but Mahomes couldn't do anything about it because he was already scrambling. So then the zone just, just basically shifted. They had a, they had to have a spy on Mahomes. Otherwise he'd run all over you and you can't play man because you'd, I mean, Tyreek Hill is going to be anybody on man. So, I mean, the coverage was, was unreal the whole day. And anytime he was rolling out to, to create time and space, somebody else was being covered. And, I mean, Tampa was just unreal. But I think something that was, un, un like, underrated about this game was ha- the end of the first half. And it happened two weeks in a row with Tom Brady taking his field down and scoring a touchdown. Like, I mean – Literally two weeks in a row, Brady gets the ball with under a minute and they score a touchdown. Like it happened against Green Bay because it was poor clock management. But they initially, Brady and the Bucs were just going to run the clock out. But Bruce or uh, Andy Reid called his timeouts. And so Brady was like, okay, I'll, I'll go score. And that's exactly what they did. And that's just 43 years old, the greatest football player to ever live made it happen
2: yeah definitely and that was so fun to watch that drive too and and obviously Andy Reed looking back on it now you know you had three points at halftime obviously would have liked to just you know kept the deficit where it was and make some adjustments and, and come back out in the second half but yeah when they called that timeout, I think they had a third and two um, and Tampa Bay picked that up and they started driving and I was like well here he goes again like to go yep. at it just like last week like like you said no I was like I don't think anybody had any doubt they were at least going to get points of some kind. Um, and, and Tom Brady just knew right where to attack them. And, and like you said, just drove right down the field and you know, we saw the goat do what he does again. So it's yeah, literally that, that been here for sure.
0: Right. It's, it's like been here a thousand times before I know what to do. I know where not to throw it. I know where to throw it, throw it out of bounds if I have to block it, whatever. And you know, it was at, at that point after they scored the touchdown, they made it, it was 21 to th- uh, six. And so you're like, all right, we're waiting for this Mahomes comeback. We're waiting for this electric offense to get going. Like, it, I mean, it was only a matter of time. It just never happened.
2: Like, it was crazy.
1: they couldn't get it going.
2: Yeah, and, and it goes back to this, too. Everybody talks about the Chiefs' offense. You know, we've heard this our whole lives, is defense wins championships. You know, and, and you know, Tom Brady was on the offense for, for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, but their defense won that championship. You know, it just kind of proves that statement true where you can have all the weapons you want, but if you've got a defense with a game plan and, you know, they come to play, they can, you know, they can get it done, and, and that's who won them a championship, you know?
0: Yeah, they're I mean, the, the interceptions were huge as well. Like, the one uh, – it was it was practically over, but Devin White played fantastic. I mean, 12 tackles, eight solo, uh, deflection and an inter- interception, two tackles for loss. Like, they that his, his interception at the end basically sealed the deal. And, I mean, it, it was really like, okay, I, I still had – I don't know if this, this was how you guys were thinking, but I still had the, 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 like, feeling, okay, Patrick Mahomes is this good to where I don't even want to count him out with one, one second left and down 20. Like, I don't want to do that. I, but I, well, it, it was crazy. Like, uh, that's just how I felt. And because I was like, this Chiefs team is too good to go out the way they did.
1: If you read the stat line, you know, Kansas City had 10 more yards offense than Tampa. Okay. Two turnovers were critical, but also Kansas City settled for three field goals when they and then they failed on that red zone opportunity when they had had the ball you know I guess it was in the first half um, right at the goal line and couldn't punch it in there on fourth and one so you know if they could have converted some of those first downs gotten a couple of touchdowns convert that touchdown you know you got a, you know you got a much closer game but statistically it was it was right there I mean the the two turnovers were definitely killer but also their inability to score touchdowns instead of having to settle for field goals
0: well what did you do for the Super Bowl what did I know in these COVID times you can't have people like we used to back in the day having the the chart game but Mm -hmm. um
2: what'd you do where did you have friends over did you go somewhere We did. We had a few a few friends over that, you know, we've we've met here in Fort Worth, Texas, that that we pretty much do everything with. So we had a few people over and they got to meet the dog and and stuff like that. But we watched the Super Bowl as everybody here. I mean, not a big crowd, but everybody was going for, for Tampa Bay. It was just fun, you know, for us to to pull for the GOAT. It was my first time ever cheering for Brady in a Super Bowl. Honestly, you know, he's played the Rams just a couple of years back. Obviously wasn't pulling for him then, but I don't know it's just a it felt different this year and you know for him to have the opportunity to take a new team and a new franchise to the Super Bowl um, that hadn't been in a while and you know win that with with all new teammates for the most part and 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 everything like that it was just a fun fun to watch and I tell you they showed him on the sideline um throughout the game and he's just sitting down with his head down just so locked in you know and I was like man that is like somebody in the zone like it reminded me of Tiger Woods, you know, like 2019 in the Masters, you know, from one hole to the next. I mean, just the, the greatest in their sport, just totally locked in on the task at hand and just seeing them go out on the field and play the way he did was just really fun to see. You know, I'd be interested to see. You
0: mentioned the last dance earlier, and I I mean, I would assume there's going to be some sort of storytelling with Tom Brady and his greatness um, oh yeah. And and I would I would like to to know the comparison. If in basketball it's a little different, but did Tom Brady take things as personal as Michael Jordan did? Did he make does he make like, stuff up to get him motivated? Like the the story about I can't remember who the player was, but they were playing uh I think it was it was the 97 year when they were playing the Pistons or somebody or the Hawks, I can't remember. And it's somebody that was really bad. Like, the the team was nowhere close to the playoffs, but the the guy goes off for like thirty six, and they beat the Bulls. And then the next night, they they put, oh, it was it was the the Wizards. Is who it was. Oh yeah,
1: yeah, I remember that one.
0: Yeah, and then the next the next night, the Bulls go off to Washington, and he gives the guy like forty eight. And I wonder if if like Brady has that, just like. Okay, I'm taking this personal because you are in my way from that trophy. I, like, uh, there's a select few that can do it. I'd be interested to see if that was like the same comparison between the two.
2: Yeah, yeah, I don't sure. know.
1: It, it, it. Go ahead, Will.
2: Oh no, go ahead.
1: <laughs> uh, I, I think it would be, uh, I, and I'm sure some network, ESPN or Fox or somebody will do a a story on Brady. I mean, they got to and. Uh, I think we'll see some interesting, interesting things come out and, you know, be a, um, where he gets his motivation from. And probably a lot of it has to do, I mean, look, he was, what, a six-round draft pick? And uh, nobody probably gave him much of a shot, but uh, he sure has proved everybody different.
2: Definitely. And, and I heard this from Brady not long ago, or I read it actually, where, you know, he like you said, six-round draft pick. I think he said his high school team didn't win a game his, his freshman and sophomore year. He couldn't get any snaps, you know, finally became quarterback at Michigan drafted in the sixth round. And now he's like, this is my time to finally play. You yeah. know, So like, I think that, that, you know, had something to do with it. Where now he's like, it's my turn. I'm here. I'm dominating. Like I'll play till I want to stop. You know, this is my chance. I'm finally having fun now. And I think he's carried that with him, you know, and I mean, 10 Super Bowls and winning seven, you know, is unreal. Obviously, It is
1: un- unbelievable.
2: Did you hear what uh, he said last night when asked
0: if he's coming back? There was no, no he hesitation. He, he was standing on the podium and was asked, what's the plans for next year? He said, I'm coming back. Yeah. Everyone knows that. I'll be back. Everyone knows. Um, yeah. And it, I mean, think, think about this and. This is the way I like to explain explain this to Allie. When when she's like, why is he so good? And why is, like, what's what's the big deal about Tom Brady? Or anyone just out there who's who's like, why is Tom Brady so hyped? 43 years old. And, Dad, when you were 43 years old, I, I could pretty confidently say you could throw the football 25 yards. That was your peak. Oh,
1: I can throw it further than that, Noah.
0: Come on. 25 yards was was the zip on the ball that you're getting is is the maximum 25 yards. Tom Brady at 43 years old is still doing it 50 yards. And that is insane to me. Just that in that alone.
1: Well, yeah, that's true, but uh he gets paid to do that.
0: <laughs> but still, I mean that, that I know, physical I know, aspect I know what you mean. Yeah. I mean it's it's crazy to me that he can still do that. And most most dads out there couldn't throw the ball 20 yards at 43 years old. Let's be yeah. honest. Like a lot of a lot of dads are picking up that golf club instead. And you know, it's I mean, it's it's crazy that he's still doing that at that age. But I mean, goat talk, it is what it is. Like he's he's the best to ever do it. There's there's no question about it.
2: Oh yeah. And you know, who's to say that he can't just do it again next year, too? You know, it's like he's shown no sign of decline. Um and He just he'll have the same team back for the most part. Like it'll be interesting to see uh, what another year of age does to him. But I've got no reason to ex- expect that he won't be back. So,
0: look as long as number twelve is playing, don't you dare count him out. That's <laughs> that's yeah. just, that's my role from now on out, and that's why I didn't bet against him last night. Um, as the the Bucks are victorious, only the fourth quarterback. To ever start a Super
2: Bowl with two different teams, can you guys name the other three? I can name one of them, but I don't think I can name any more than that. Um, Peyton Manning is one of them, right? Yeah, Peyton Manning.
1: <laughs> Let's see. Joe Namath?
0: Nope.
1: I mean, no, not Joe Namath. Uh, Joe, um,
0: no Montana. No, not Montana. Nope. Favre? Nope. Doug Williams? Nope. <laughs> Kurt Warner and Craig Morton.
1: Oh, wow. Oh,
2: I forgot about Kurt Warner.
1: All <laughs> right. Hey, Craig, Craig Morton. Who did he start for? I think I know the answer to this.
2: The Cowboys.
1: And?
0: Who's the other team? Uh-huh. Denver. Yeah. Yeah. So that's fun trivia. Sorry to put you on the spot, Will, but. Um, <laughs> yeah. Dad, what did you, you do for the Super Bowl? Where, where, were, where were you and Mom? What would you guys do?
1: We went uh, went over to Mark and Amy's house,
0: and it was just the four of you guys.
1: Uh, yeah, Susan came over to Harmony,
0: and yeah. so Will. How many people did you, did you have? Like eight, something like that. Six, six. Basically, yeah, yeah, yeah. Over at our house, it was at our house. It was uh, six of us as well. Like it's crazy, you know. The Super Bowl, growing up. That that at our house growing up was always the place. Like we always had the Super Bowl party at, at the Thompsons. That's how, the, how that's how it was. We we basically had when when we were like really young, we had the kids would go upstairs and all the adults would go stay downstairs basically. And then it got to be all right. We we got to be a little older, so we stay downstairs. But we always watched the fourth quarter downstairs. That's the only thing I can remember. And we played. uh, the square game That's yeah. like the thing we did And now <laughs> the Super Bowl The biggest event of the year You can't even go watch it with a bunch of people And that's, it's kind of sad um, But I always remembered the, the greatest thing About the Super Bowl party Was that snack table I mean the <laughs> snack table was there And that's a, that's a perfect segue Into this draft that we're going to do today The best Food at the snack table and so draft the way it'll go is same same as always format will you'll go first then dad then snake back to me we'll go four rounds um and for the listener out there you can text me you can message me on instagram at noah thompson one for who you think had the best the best draft uh i had some feedback will was one of our our uh listeners that gave us some feedback and he said it was hard to pick from last week's draft so that's good we got some competitive drafts coming up so let's start
2: with the best Super Bowl food on the food table all right so I thought long and hard about this too you know there's a lot of factors that come into play but I'm thinking Super Bowl you got a plate all the options first thing I'm reaching for are some wings that's my number one pick um, I think that'll be my, my team captain and first pick the wings can't pass them up that's a great pick. That's
0: I think Dad, did you have that? Were you gonna oh. put that? Did you have that on your draft board? Oh yeah, definitely. Yeah, that's that's a fantastic pick. That's that's yeah. the clear number one. I am yeah. a... all right, Dad. Go ahead.
1: Okay. I have got to go with without a doubt, one of the best dips that I've ever put in my mouth. And you know where I'm going here with this. Cause Susan Harmony came last night with that buffalo chicken dip, and I uh, said, so that's right there—the buffalo chicken dip.
0: That's another great pick, man. Man, that's you guys stole both of my two. But I mean, I couldn't expect those to be there. Like, that's a, that's a fantastic pick. Um. Okay, I'm going this. I'm going this way because this is the I'd say probably the easy answer out, and that's pizza. I mean, oh, there's always pizza there. Like somebody's bringing. If you're like, oh shoot, I forgot to bring something, Little Caesars pizza is on the way. So I'm going, I'm going pizza yeah. for my number one pick, and then I'll we'll snake. So I'm, I got another one. Um, I'm a huge fan of pretzels, like homemade pretzels or like the big ones. Give me pretzels. All
1: right. Well. So my next one, and this was kind of right there as a tie with first, but I went ahead and got the Buffalo dip because I figured you'd take it from me, um, but is mom's homemade chili. She always makes chili for the Super Bowl, and it was awesome last night.
2: Chili's a good one. Man, so many good food items off the table early. Um, Noah, Noah's going to laugh at me for this one because I'm basically just picking my diet up here. Uh, I've got wings with the first pick I'm going straight for dessert I'm going cookies chocolate chip cookies <laughs> <laughs> so a little
0: story at, at Will's wedding um, I was a groomsman at Will's wedding will be groomsmen mine as well so he'll he'll come back at me for this but whenever that is down the line uh, but at Will's wedding I, I gave a little speech and the roast was about his diet um, and not to put you on the blast Will but I mean, Will's diet consists of cookies. Uh, he loves Hershey Kisses. He loves the goldfish and Pop-Tarts, Oreos. You get, he Will, crackers, Will loves you the snacks. It.
2: Snacks. I'm a snack guy. I'm a snack <laughs> guy for sure. Probably not the healthiest thing. <laughs> All right, Will, you got another one. Man, I got another one. I'm, I'm trying to decide, do I stick with the desserts or do I go another route? Yeah. <laughs> um, I'm going to go kind of back towards, towards a more regular food. I'm going to go with nachos, Mm. some standard nachos. It's a great pick. All right, Dan.
1: Okay. And I'm, I'm going to go, I'm going to go on the dessert trail. Okay. And, uh, just because we had some of these last night and it was real good. Cupcakes. They were cupcakes. Wow. Red icing on the top up.
0: It. Yeah. It's pretty. That's I'd say that's a very standard like Super Bowl. Dang. Okay. Yeah. Um dang, I don't want I don't I've had this on my board, but I don't really want to go this way. But I think I have to. So I I have pizza, right? But Another one of those, okay, I forgot. I'm not going to go hard on making something. I'm not going to necessarily, like, go all out on buying something. I'm just going to go get some frozen pizza rolls and throw them on there on a platter. I think pizza rolls are – I mean, you sit there and munch on them. And my next one is – and I don't know. I think this differentiates from what you said, Will, is a chicken nugget platter. I think chicken nuggets are a staple – on that table. If, if if Chick-fil-A wasn't closed on Sundays, they'd make a killing on selling those chicken nugget platters. And some people, I worked at Chick-fil-A in high school, would buy the chicken nugget trays the Saturday before the Super Bowl and keep them overnight and then serve them the next day, and they were still incredible. Like I'm pretty sure that happened at our house one time. Like somebody brought those. So I'm going chicken nuggets from the platter.
1: All right, and I'm gonna go real simple here. you know you, you can't really go to a ball game or anything without popcorn. You know
0: gotta have it's on some, the table?
1: Yeah, we've had popcorn on the table before. You had your grubby hands in it when you were little.
0: <laughs> Whatever.
2: All right. Well, all right, close her I'm, out. I'm torn on this last one, but I've got nachos. I'm going to go with a dip to, to go alongside those nachos. I'm going spinach and artichoke dip. I'm hoping that's an underrated pick that could get some votes there, but uh, I like it myself. Um, You know, I've got some nachos to go with it. Um, So that rounds out my team with wings, cookies, nachos and spinach and artichoke dip.
0: Well, that is so surprising
2: coming from you. Hey, look, I had some one time I said, Hey, I like this, so I'm gonna reach for it. And that's that's a hey, look. To be fair, I had the what's this, the 12th pick. Okay? Yeah, no, no, that's true. I had that, the 12th pick. But look, that's gonna that's gonna surprise some people. Yeah, definitely will.
0: No, that's yeah, an
2: artichoke listeners out there. That
0: one's for you. <laughs> that's a great pick. That's that's great value. I mean, that's that's a pretty popular pick. Okay, dad, what'd you what'd you have?
1: So I had the buffalo dip, the chili, the cupcakes, and some popcorn.
0: I'm still kind of iffy on popcorn. I don't know how often that's at the table. whatever. I'll give it to you. Uh, I went pizza pretzels, pizza rolls or pizza bites and chicken nuggets. You know what? I'm looking at this and how did, how did none of us go with meatballs?
1: Yeah, I know yeah,
0: wow.
1: Yeah, meatballs, that's a good one.
0: Like I
2: I thought I honestly thought that'd fall to you, will, and it did. Dang. It crossed my mind. I'm, I'm not gonna say that because I'm I'm sticking with my pick. But you like your it draft. It my mind. It you did. like your board. <laughs>
1: see, I had my I had my ground beef, my meat, and my chili. See,
0: that's true. That's yeah. true. Well, well, we appreciate you coming on, man. Thanks for being a great guest, and we look forward to having you back on in the near future. Good luck with everything out in the biggest state on this planet other than alaska but texas just is everything's bigger in texas dad and i know that we were just out there so
1: yeah hey will thanks for uh being on here
2: thank y'all for for having me on it's been a ton of fun and always good talking with y'all and anytime you want me back i'll be more than happy to join hey we'll we'll definitely have you
0: back on